0: Today's episode is brought to you by Slayhouse Publishing, recorded at Wayne Howard Studios.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of Slayhouse Presents. I'm Caitlin, and with me, as always, is my husband and partner in crime, Trevor. Trevor.
0: I'm a partner in crime now.
1: You are always a partner in crime. Do you okay. disagree?
0: I mean, no. I'm. I'm. I'm good with that. You can call me. A, you can call me whatever you want.
1: <laughs> so this week, um, we, and a little bit later in today's uh, conversation, we are talking about the movie Suspiria. Yes. B- by Luca Guadagnino.
0: Yes, I. F- I feel like that was a really good uh, uh, pronunciation too. I mean, I think, right?
1: Yeah, I hope I didn't butcher that.
0: Did you like? Did you Google how to s- say it before?
1: No, I've heard it in several interviews that I've watched.
0: Oh, you're just so fancy. Yeah. You watched interviews about this movie.
1: Well, about this movie, and well, I'm a big fan of Dakota Johnson. And oh, okay, I you know he um, did the movie uh, Call Me by Your Name.
0: Oh, he did. Okay. He did.
1: So yeah, I've watched interviews for that movie too. So
0: very okay. Very cool. Kind of a fan. Look at you just being like so educated about this. I yeah. had no idea. <laughs> this is news for me.
1: Yeah. So uh, today's episode is kind of special. Um, today's date um, for everybody listening. It's the March 23rd. Um, tomorrow, the 24th, is Trevor's birthday.
0: That's correct. Yeah.
1: Are you really going to be 36?
0: I mean, you didn't have to tell everybody, but Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm he's, really gonna be
1: 36.
0: I feel like my <laughs> I feel like my hair absolutely denies twenty-six. I do not have my twenty-six year old hair anymore.
1: <laughs> no, but yeah, tomorrow is his birthday. So I figured for the occasion, um I went on my lunch today and got his birthday present. He's been begging me for Legos. Um, But (laughs) we don't have the space, as he argues. Um, And so I went and got uh, something else that I know he will love and appreciate even more. And I figured, why not do it on the podcast so that everybody can see just how much he loves.
0: Just uh, (laughs) It's a real visual show here, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's right.
1: Without further ado.
0: All right. Well, uh, thank you for for this birthday gift And because
1: Trevor knows that when I give gifts, I cannot wait.
0: Oh, that's also true.
1: Like with Christmas, if I buy my gifts too soon, I cannot wrap them and put them under the tree.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. they
1: have to be given immediately.
0: I've I've learned that both about you and like when I gift shop for you, it it's got to go to you like immediately. Like I can't I can't keep anything secret from you. So at You're kind of
1: the same way too.
0: Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Cuz I I want to see the joy on your face.
1: Yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah. So.
0: All right. Well, happy
1: I'm, almost birthday.
0: Thank you. I'm going to open I'm going to open this now and see Oh my god. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Those were the ones you wanted right? Oh my right? gosh!
0: Yes. Um this is incredible. Alright, she got me uh <laughs> she got me hardcovers, mylard hardcovers of Han Solo at Stars' End and Han Solo's Revenge, originally published way back in uh I think these were nineteen seventy nine. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it says something about first. Is it first edition? Something on the back cover. Uh,
0: uh, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. These are, these are, um, first edition uh, hardbacks of these two uh, Han Solo books. Which, if anyone knows, I I call these Looney Tunes crazy. Um. They do I,
1: look Lunatons crazy. I
0: love them. No, you don't even know. Like these are uh, <laughs> these are like two of my absolute favorites. There's a there's a, a third one that um now I'm gonna have to track down. But but these were uh uh two of my absolute favorites uh when I was reading through because I've been reading oof, that was <laughs> rough to the microphone. When I was reading through um all of star wars and i'm i'm still doing that i'm still stuck in in purgatory of 1996 right now um but these these were like hands down my favorite pre-90s star wars like they're absolutely bonkers but it's it's like han solo's revenge is my favorite one because han solo is just like he, he like does this job he's supposed to do some job uh for 10 grand and uh and it, he turn it turns out it's a slave shipping job and he's like i ain't shipping no slaves <laughs> um, and so he he kind of like shoots his handlers you know that that have hired him but then he's also like somebody owes me some fucking money <laughs> <laughs> And he he just goes on a rampage. The whole book is just him, just tracking down like where's the person that owed, owes me money because they owe me ten grand, and uh, and he's like I'm not only am I gonna get my ten grand, but I'm gonna shoot him in the face for fucking trying to get me to you know like trek slaves for him across the, the galaxy. Oh my gosh, these are great. These are fabulous. These are the the crown jewels of my collection of Star Wars.
1: Well, I'm glad you like them.
0: This is amazing. Um, so, show over. I'm gonna go read my <laughs> books now.
1: Just kidding. No show today. That was it.
0: <laughs> this is so wonderful, Caitlin. I love this.
1: I hate that it wasn't something I just found on my own. You know, you had told me about these previously, so it kind of takes the surprise. I know. Out, well, but. yeah, it,
0: that's that's kind of true. But but I had I had mentioned them to you in the kind of forlorn way that's like there's no way i'll ever be able to get back and get these books because they'll they'll be sold uh anytime i've i've found them i've always found them and been like oh man i really wish i (laughs) i had the cash to drop on these because they're not like super duper cheap um even if you find them you know it's it's like they can be kind of because they're you know 1979 these are great though they're like no. they're they're in very good condition. Maybe it's the mylar, but uh, they look like they're in great condition. Yeah, I, I I'm not joking. I may go home, and uh, you're not going to see me for three days. And when I emerge, I'm just going to talk like Han Solo.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad that you like them.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's let's get into the show.
1: All righty. So. As I previously stated, today uh, we're not doing a book, we're doing a movie. Um, I think we decided that simply because we wanted to kind of take a break from reading, and
0: no, I don't know how to read, Caitlin.
1: <laughs> we both didn't really uh, make time for reading in the last few weeks. So yeah,
0: it, that's not entirely true. It's more like we didn't make time to read the same true. thing. We weren't reading the same thing. It's like you know, we we have so many books, but then if you if we want to talk about a book on the show, we gotta. Like one of us has to read it and then the other has to read it because what what lunatic is going to buy two copies of a book, you know, just you can, you know, when you live together. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, but before we get into that, we will do our usual, uh, what we've been reading, what's new in publishing and um, the news. But before we get into all that, I have a question for you.
0: Oh, all right. I did questions. I like questions.
1: Yeah. And it has two parts.
0: Oh, uh, okay. All right.
1: So, uh, question is pertaining to, and I know I've told you this, and I hope that you kind of had it ruminating in the back of your mind, uh, mm. reading multiple books at the same time.
0: Oh, okay. That's a, hot, that's a hot take.
1: We are both guilty of doing it.
0: ADHD brain.
1: Yeah. So, um, question number one, I'll pose both of them to you at the same time. Okay. You can answer first, and then I'll answer. Okay. Uh, question one, why do you feel like you do it?
0: Ooh! And
1: question number two: Do you think it helps or hurts our reading goals?
0: Oh wow, that's uh, uh, what a question! This is uh, this is great conversation right here. All right, uh, why do I do it? I do it because um, I get—I guess—I get bored very quickly. This is the story of my entire life. Um, I was one of those ham uh, gifted children. <laughs> Um, If it really just like I always had to be challenged uh, by something and if something wasn't challenging to me I would just tune out you know it's like once I once I unravel the mystery the secret uh, I just don't care anymore and so I kind of move on so I I feel like to to a certain extent um, if a book isn't really challenging me if it's not like really capturing my interest. Uh, I'm going to put it away and I'm going to shift my attention to something else um, that does catch my interest a bit more. And I also tend to be a really big mood reader. And uh, as a result of the mood reading, it's like, you know, sometimes I'll be really in the, like lately, I've been really in the mood for Star Wars. Um, I haven't read a Star Wars book since the last time I talked about reading a Star Wars book on the show. And, uh, that was like 12 books ago and I'm like I I need it I need my brain needs it um, so it's kind of like although there's other stuff that I know I could be reading right now that would be really good uh, I I need to fill my brain a little bit with some Star Wars or you know just something I gotta do something to alleviate uh, the mood read right yeah um, as to your second question, which is uh, remind me, it, it was like, do we feel like that helps our or hinders our reading goals? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the math evens out. Uh, you know, I it's tough to say because sometimes I think if I'm reading too many things and then I try to come back to something, um, if I have to reread, that's time lost. Yeah, right. Like if I've just it's been too long since I can remember what really happened in a book. Um, that happened with uh, Helm of Midnight with Marina Lawstetter. Um, I, I read that book and then come to the sequel and I'm like, that was 80 books ago. And now I don't remember even what happened in that previous one. Um, so I'm going to have to reread Helm of Midnight before I can read uh, Cage of Dark Hours because I don't remember. I just don't remember stuff.
1: But, I mean, how did that pertain to reading multiple books at once?
0: I mean, it. I don't know that it, it necessarily uh, relates to, to in that particular instance um, to reading multiple books at once. But I do think that f- for me anyway, it tends to even out. Because it's like if I put a book down, I know I'm going to return to it. And usually I'm going to return to the spot that I left off. Yeah. And, uh, for the most part that kind of works out again, I think it's bad when I have to go back and reread a book. So like Count of Monte Cristo can't remember a fucking thing that happened in that book. (laughs) Right. At least not, uh, you know, from a chapter to chapter basis. So if I want to go back and reread that book, I'm going to have to start from the beginning and that book's 1100 pages long. And I I got through maybe 300 pages of it. Um, Yeah, that's a huge... I I could have read a book in that time. But I do feel like because I return to stuff and I do return and I just finish, I close it out, um, it might take me a year to do it. and 70 other books in between. uh, But I will close out that book. And I feel like um, that book will still get marked as read. I'll still get the page count for it. You know, like... So I don't think that it actually detracts too much um, unless, again, I, you know, because I get distracted. If I have to restart a book, then it's a huge loss of time. Yeah. I agree well, with that. What about you? What, what are your thoughts on this this topic? Because I do know that there are some people who are really like, I don't know how you read multiple books at once. Um,
1: well, first. To answer question one, I think I do it. I also agree with you. Um, I also do it because I can, because I'm also a mood reader. I can get bored with just one book, so I turn to another. Uh, Well, I'm not feeling that today. Maybe tomorrow I'll feel it.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I think I also do it because, like for instance, if a new book comes out that I've been waiting on. Oh yeah. I can't just wait until I've finished right. the book that I'm currently on. Yeah. If I've been waiting for months and months and months to finish a series and the, the last book comes out, you could bet your ass. <laughs> I don't care what I'm reading. Yeah. It's gonna be put aside. Oh
0: yeah. I've seen you do it, yeah.
1: For uh, the last book in a series to be finished. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's usually usually the only reasons that I do it.
0: Yeah, I see. I see a lot of the time you'll start a book and you're into it. It's like, you know, this is fine. But then like GN Wright drops a book and you're like, well, fucking hold the door because I'm I'm going to, you know, read this. I'm I'm going to really prioritize that. Yeah. By the way, you're I I don't know what's going on with your hair, but I I I really love it. I don't know why. It's I, it, it's just It
1: feels like the the headphones it, are just pushing my it, hair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. It looks a little wind swept, but you I don't know. Like it I it's working for me. I I just take it.
1: I think you're biased.
0: I mean, nobody else can see your hair, so they <laughs> could just believe you're having a, a wonderful hair day.
1: <laughs> it was just for audience purposes. My hair was just in a messy ponytail and I,
0: I don't know why. It's just maybe it's because I haven't seen you all day. I just like it. That's what it
1: is. You yeah, haven't seen maybe, me all day. <laughs>
0: maybe that's what it is.
1: Um, but do I think it help helps or hurts? So I've been throwing this around in my head all day. So let's say, for instance, I have two books that are both 100 pages long. Uh-huh. And every night I read 25 pages. Right. So four nights it's going to take me to read this. Yeah. And so night one, both pages – or both books, 25 pages. Night two, you know, another 25 pages. So it's like it, – but. We're finishing it in the same amount of time.
0: Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So
1: I don't feel like it's really doing anything. Like they're, they're both right. getting read at the same time. Right. So I feel like it kind of goes back to what you were saying. Yeah. They're both getting read. The page counts getting added. Yeah. Um. I feel like it only hurts it if, like you said, if you put a book down for too long and you can't remember when you go to read it. Hmm. Um. Which I definitely I have one of those on my my reading list right now well two actually mm. um excuse me um i have a self-help book that's been on my reading list for over a year now
0: oh oh yeah um, okay pretty sure i know which one that is
1: what is it called again um it's about trauma healing trauma Yeah. right um i love the book right but it's so freaking thick and it's hey, yeah. dense
0: oh uh, yeah mm-hmm.
1: and i know when i finish it i'm gonna be glad that i had finished it yeah and glad that i read it but yeah like i'm not in the mood to read that shit every day
0: no i, I don't know how you I would mean, it's heavy yeah
1: and like i know i'm going to therapy every week and it would probably be beneficial to read it every week right but
0: you know what? Some stuff is just too yeah. It's too heavy.
1: Too heavy to work yeah. through every single day. Yeah,
0: you got to do it in increments.
1: So, but yeah, that's one of those books that sometimes I pick it up and I'm like, "What the fuck was I reading last week?"
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't remember what we were learning. Uh huh. But um, and then I have another one. Um, what is the other one? Uh, Midnight. It's the Nutcracker retelling.
0: Oh, okay. Okay.
1: Midnight Forest I should remember this, but see, because I haven't read it in like a month, <laughs> I can't remember the friggin' title. <laughs> um and I know I'm gonna enjoy it. Right. Because yeah. it's recommended by Erin Morgenstern Oh Erin yeah, yeah. Morgenstern, sorry. Yeah. You love um, you love her stuff. And if she recommends it, I know it's good. Right, yeah. And I think I've gotten to the part where it's really gonna get interesting. Yeah. But I just for the life of me can't pick it up. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like those are the instances where it hurts. Yeah. But.
0: I, I could totally see that. I mean, I could see instances in which, you know, it, it's going to hurt your your TBR list or whatever. For me, you know, for, for just for an, an example, a recent example, um, Stein Tingler's, R.L. Stein, uh, his collection of short stories. I think I started that last like August or whatever, whenever that book came out. Um, and I just finished it and it's not even long. It's it's like barely maybe 200 pages or whatever. It's it's 10 short stories. And for whatever reason, I could not commit to just getting it done uh, because of, you know, whatever else was going on. And then I just finished it. Like I just sat down. I was like, why have I not finished this yet? It's been months since I started it. But I did yeah. finish it. you know, it's uh, so,, uh, I probably could have claimed those pages last year sometime, uh, and they're just, you know, they're gonna go on this year's review. Yeah. And that's fine. you know, I, I feel like I haven't really lost anything um by not, you know, reading that entirely all at once. Um, and I, I that's just kind of the way that I consume books, you know, yeah. it's it's harder for me. To prioritize one book and just one book, um, especially because I know that as a mood reader, if I'm not in the mood for that book, it's actually going to take me a lot longer and reduce my enjoyment of that book. Yep. Yeah.
1: And I also think if you get in a, like a book slump, like oh, that, yeah. I think that's another reason that. It's yeah. good to read multiple books at
2: once.
1: I got I to sneeze. Are you about to sneeze? <laughs> I think reading multiple books at once uh, can help you stay out of a slump. Because if you just put a book down that you're not interested in and you wait to get your joy back, you could be not reading for weeks. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're totally right. And there are some books that, uh, you know, I don't. I don't want to call them... Books that, that create a slump or anything because um, there are plenty of books that I have absolutely loved um, that took me so long to read. And it's not because I think they're bad. It's just because, um, you know, if, if I'm not in the mood for that kind of a book or if I'm not in the mood for it, it's just it, – it's going to take me a lot longer. And it's, it's going to create the illusion of there being a book slump. Mm-hmm. When you know maybe there's not, it's just like that's not the moment of life for me. This isn't the cycle where this book is gonna find me. So let me find the book that does find me and I'll, I'll circle back to, to the the cycle of life when this really is gonna speak to me and and I can really uh, tear through it. Yeah, yeah.
1: So we agree reading multiple books is okay
0: I li- I like that we can come to agreement. <laughs> Uh, you know, especially on the air, I feel like, you know, this is a good model for how, how we, you know, kind of operate. We don't agree on everything, for no, sure.
1: There's a lot we don't agree on.
0: <laughs> but it's good to find the stuff that we do. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. That was a really great question.
1: Yeah. It's been weighing on me for a while, and it's kind of a hot topic for book talk. And
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I like hot topics sometimes. You know, it, it allows us... I feel in two two ways it it allows us to understand ourselves you know a little bit better and and what really makes us work. It also helps us understand each other mm-hmm. you know a little bit more so we kind of understand the cycles of uh of our lives together
1: yeah all right you ready to hit the news
0: yeah let's let's do some news. What have you got
1: all right well, I got two stories
0: ooh. Two.
1: Two. How many you got?
0: Like 11. What? <laughs> it's just, it's all stuff I'm excited about.
1: You got 11 news stories? I
0: i mean, they're not like news news story. It's just, it's stuff that's coming out soon that I want to plug.
1: No, these are like news stories. Not, oh, not I like... don't
0: have a single news story. I oh, just have stuff I'm excited like about. Like
1: publishing stuff. Yeah. Okay. No, this is news news.
0: Oh, all right.
1: So I'm the news to this week.
0: Okay. I like that.
1: Okay. Here we go. So um, this is coming out of Florida, of course. You know, crazy town. Uh, everything, everything, everything happens in Florida. It's either Florida or Arkansas, which is my two stories this week. Oh, <laughs> um. So this one's Florida. Uh, Studies Weekly, um, periodicals for K through six students.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, you might remember them, I slightly. If they're th- if they're what I'm thinking of, and the pictures that I saw online, they kind of look like what I remember. Um, but then again, you were homeschooled. I was
0: homeschooled, so
1: so you probably yeah. You, I absolutely, you
0: I know, I absolutely don't. But I remember
1: it. these. They no. were kind of like I don't know if you ever saw, um, in in when you were in public schools, if you ever saw the uh, when the book fair came to school.
0: Oh, like uh, yeah, the Scholastic Book Fair.
1: You remember, um, like the the way they looked, and the kind of like the way they read. The, the book fairs, the little book fair pamphlets.
0: Oh, uh, you know, okay, sure. The ones yeah, that sent kinda. home
1: for you to like show your. Parents. Well, I mean,
0: uh, y- y- yes, okay. Because yeah. so I, I was, I was in a private school for, for two years.
1: Okay, so yeah. anyway, they, if these are what I'm thinking <clears throat> of, they're kind of set up like that. They're kind of like, double folded, um, kind of like, like newsletters, like brochure sure. things, okay. um. But anyway, they're just kind of like um, little new snippets um, that you can use in your lesson plans. Um, but, uh-huh. but anyway,
0: is this the Rosa Parks thing?
1: Yes, have you heard about it? Yes,
0: I, I've seen this.
1: Oh my gosh. okay so they um, this uh, company that put the, puts these out, um, they changed the lesson plan um, that had this little snippet, tiny little box snippet uh, with Rosa Parks. Um, the original lesson plan was supposed to say Rosa was told to move to a different seat because of the color of her skin, and they revised it to say she was told to move. She did not.
0: Okay, so this is a little bit incomplete uh, because there actually was a third rendition. like a third uh uh revision to this
1: see i read like <clears throat> i read the same story on like seven mm-hmm. different websites so yeah. if you've seen something different you can totally add I, to
0: it. i i i maybe i just invented it but uh i am pretty sure that there was a third revision to this where they actually came in and said uh something like you know rosa parks uh was asked to move um because uh she was black and uh black people had to move by law if a white person asked it.
1: I didn't see any of that because all of them, I checked source after source after source.
0: Right. Some of those sources just, just that like when they source something, I'll just tell you they, they, they source it quote unquote uh, by just taking a picture from wherever it was posted on the internet. So if somebody posted this as a meme to the internet, a lot of these online sources are just going to take that meme and then spit out 400 words of bullshit Yeah, where they just take it from an Internet board or whatever. And they don't actually follow through to see what was really put in the textbook. Now, I could be totally mistaken. And I, and if there's a, a teacher out there in Florida who is listening and they want to chime in on this, uh, totally, please do so. Um, but I, I have heard a lot i think I think the, a lot of the contention has been nobody knows what the rules are at this moment because there's no definition for any of this fucking quote unquote wokeness that they're complaining about, yeah, and so they do things like you can't talk about race, but you also have to talk about race because that's part of the state curriculum is that you talk about. You know racial history of, of the united states so it's all about how you frame it right so in this case they're saying like the problem was that they're saying that um the difference was based on her skin color and that's why she was discriminated against and they're trying to reframe it like well the law allowed for discrimination and we don't have that law anymore yeah right and that's what makes uh, Rosa Parks brave or whatever, is that you know she stood up to an unfair law and now we don't have the law anymore. I still think that there's a nefarious leaning there, right? In that when we take away the total context that she was discriminated against based on the color of her skin because the laws allowed for discrimination, right? Um, I think that they're, they're trying to suggest by removing the law... Right. By by putting the emphasis like the a law allowed that now the law doesn't allow that they're saying it doesn't happen anymore, which we know is untrue. Yeah. Right. But this is the nefarious game of of like trying to revise these textbooks and trying to figure out, you know, what can be said or what can't be said according to these insane new laws.
1: Yeah. It's just sickening.
0: It drives me crazy uh it it really really does and and again you know i i don't know how you be a, a public school teacher right now i i just man this is i i am a am going to get real uh, weird and upset right now um i'm a you know i'm a college professor that's mm-hmm. that's what i do for a living um uh, you know or at least part of what i do for a living and um i i just uh, was appointed to take on a, a world lit from 1650 Class, um, which I get really excited about because I I love teaching world literature, um, and world lit from 1650 means that I cover a pretty broad swath of time, including the in- Industrial Revolution,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which means that there are some thinkers, there are some writers, there are some philosophers that we're going to look at, and I worry that. Because I've included Marx, for example,
2: mm-hmm.
0: on my curriculum. How do you have a conversation about, you know, 20th or 19th and 20th century uh, literature, world literature, without talking about Marx? I, I, I don't know how, because so much of what Marx said ends up influencing the, the writers and the thinkers from across the world. You know, like Marx uh, talks a lot about uh, communism, for Mm -hmm. example, and and communism is, is, um, you you know, was co-opted by these different political groups across the entire world and incorporated into their culture. How do you have a conversation about that without, you know, conversing about Marx and reading Marx? Yeah. And and so I, I run into this problem where it's like, I need, you know, I'm, I'm teaching a class in world literature. I'm going to have them read Marx. Yeah. So what happens when, you know, one of these conservative uh, weirdos, you know, reads Marx in my classroom for the purpose of, of uh, historical context? And then, you know, turns around and is like, oh, this this curriculum is woke. You know, it'll happen. I mean, I, I I do know it because it's happened in the past. It's happened where I'll I'll say something, uh, not even in class. I will say something, you know, outside of class, and and a, a student listens to it and they raise they raise it up to my my dean as if my dean didn't hire me to to teach this class because of the things that I know and the things that I talk about. You know, it's like this is kind of the I don't know. This is the crazy thing. It 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 I just exist in this weird space where it's it's like even at the college level where I, ostensibly I have the most agency over my curriculum. How do I have conversations about this, knowing that at any moment there is a student who may try to rise, you know, or raise some kind of hell uh, because I I dare to have them read something. It's happened, you know, when I'm teaching uh, to sixteen fifty. We have a lot of literature where uh, I have them read um, Muslim uh, literature, Muslim Mm -hmm. poetry. I can
1: only imagine.
0: (laughs) Sometimes they – like sometimes some white lady will have a a meltdown over it because uh, God forbid I have them read some Muslim poetry. Like Islam, the most influential religion (laughs) in certain parts of the world. For 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 a literal you know literal centuries, uh, God forbid we read something that would reference that you know. Yep. In a world literature class, I don't know. It's crazy. It's yep. crazy.
1: Yep. I'm just glad we don't live in Florida. You <sighs> yeah. would, you wouldn't have the power to teach anything. Yeah, but I,
0: it scares me because <laughs> you know if if it can happen in Florida, it can happen here. It it, it can happen anywhere. In the yeah. United States. You know? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. It, 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 just the slip into fascism is just crazy. Yep,
1: yeah. It is upon us. Okay, my second that news. That was very uplifting, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I have that power. <laughs> my second story. Um, I saw this on a TikTok video. Uh, somebody that was there took the video um, the Crawford County Library Board meeting mm. that was held earlier, yeah, this month, right? Uh, the Arkansas Justice of Peace, I put Peach
0: <laughs> <laughs> Justice of the Peach,
1: Justice of the Peach, <laughs> Justice of the Peace, Jason Cox uh, attended, and I guess after the meeting was talking with some ladies about some of the books that were being, you challenged. know, challenged, yeah, and um. He was talking to this one lady and he said, I, you know, I've got some pages from this one book. I can't remember the name of it, but I've got it on my phone. And
0: <laughs> Always takes some shit out of context, right?
1: Yeah. And they were like, well, did you read the book? He's like, well, no. No. Well, I've, I've, got, I've got the pages and that's all I need to know it's pornographic.
0: Who well, reads? And Who reads anymore?
1: The only thing he could remember that there was queer in the name of the book. And somebody in the comments later mentioned it was the the gender queer. Gender queer. Yeah. Um, But he had, I think somebody had said um, that it was, there was, I can't remember it because it's been a hot minute since I read it, but they said it was referencing, I guess, a scene where she or they, um, the author of the memoir, they were um, learning about their sexuality and they were out Mm. in the dating world. Sure and they cuz
0: god forbid someone learn about their sexuality.
1: Yeah. They were uh you know experimenting with uh men. Uh-huh. And I guess there was a blowjob scene involved. Sure. involved. And of course it's not going to be graphic no. and show anything Never. it's going to depict
0: But like, do you really think your teenagers doesn't know don't know what oral yeah, sex like is? Yeah. Like they're really? not
1: going to know what oral sex is. But I'm sure I don't remember there being a depiction of a penis in this book.
0: No, I, I'm I'm a hundred percent certain there isn't one.
1: No, um, but anyway, from what I remember, of course, they were not comfortable with what had happened, right? Which led to them, you know, be- just... led to their discovery that they, you know, obviously were not straight and they super didn't like import- men.
0: Yeah, it's a super important uh, facet of human sexuality.
1: Yeah. So, but anyway, I believe that was the reference that oh, the justice of the peace was referring to. Oh,
0: come on, and uh, it's not—it's not, it, not like gender queer is just sitting on a
2: uh, get, get just fucking get out of here.
0: <laughs> it's not even like gender queer is just sitting on like a toddler's fucking yeah. discovery table. You know no. what I mean? Like, like that book. For for, for for what it is like that book is in a, a very specific section of and the library. And they literally
1: were saying this to it, saying this to him <sighs> oh as he god. was getting mad and walking away. it's like this book is age specific. It's not and going.
0: It, and it's put in a, it's put in an age specific category. Yes. It's, it, like it's not just sitting in front of you know some some fucking four year olds going to be like oh my god a blowjob like that. And it's not, not going to be given, a thing that happens.
1: I don't think it's going to be given to ten year olds.
0: And, and for fuck's sake, like if you you can't make that same argument for the, the Bible has more obscene acts than that.
1: Are yes. you kidding? The me? Bible is more pornographic than they would like. Absolutely.
0: Noah, abs- like Noah fucking runs around naked in front of his daughters in that book. I mean, I, I, I know I bring it up all the time, but Lot literally tried to give his daughters over to a crazy r- band of rapists. And they're all... That's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there's so much sex in those books. So much. Yeah. All over the Bible. And you're going to tell me that, that you would serve up a, a four-year-old the Bible? Yeah. But, but you know, God forbid a, a teenager come across genderqueer with some questions about who they are. Just yeah. get the fuck out of here. I just... It drives me absolutely batty. Yeah. what what a nonsense was it? And this is the other thing that bothers me a lot of the time because I have encountered these people who come in and they're like, how dare you present this, you know, terrible literature, this disgusting literature. I'm like, have you read it? Did you read
1: it? Oh, and his argument when they asked him if he had read it, he's like, no, but, you know, I don't need to read Hustler to know that it's pornographic. Literally uh, I, comparing this book to Hustler, I, I,
0: I, and what I'm saying is, like, you sound like an idiot when you do when you make those comparisons. You know, it's like this isn't Hustler, though. You know, it's, if you fucking read it, you might know that. You might understand the context of where this stuff is coming from.
1: They're not going to fucking read it because it'll no, prove they them don't. Wrong. It,
0: it, and this is what happens all the time. Somebody else tells them what's in the book because somebody else comes in and they very neatly extract certain portions of something without the context of the story around it. And they, they purposefully remove it from that context because then they can serve it to everyone, knowing that nobody is going to step up and fucking read this stuff. Nobody's going to step in and actually go through the, the intellectual rigor of comparing the context and really truly learning. Is this pornographic? It would be one thing to take any of your smudge stories and serve it over to children and be like, there's nothing wrong in this, you know. (laughs) And I'm like, like, you know, there's a time and a place for that kind of discovery. Yeah. Right. But this is not what's happening. Yeah. These materials are not just being served to children. And by the way, as a former librarian... I'll tell you that the old people, the old white people who come in here with, you know, like clutching their pearls. Oh, God, how can we let this pornography in front of our children? We're the same ones that were lining up for like 36 fucking weeks at a time to read Fifty Shades of Grey.
1: And I'm sure they were very secretive about
0: it. Mm -hmm. No, they weren't. I had old ladies come up to me and, and like, whew five on the Caitlin scale you know like like I gotta take off her collar like this was a spicy book <laughs> sanitize that thank you grandma
1: that was there was a time I thought that book was spicy
0: I mean I don't whatever whatever floats your boat I'm just saying like these people don't complain about that shit. But they complain about gender queer
1: because we're not trying to get children to read those books. Oh my
0: god! No, of course not. No sane person would. I, I'm just, I and they're not. It's just they're not even the same thing. I just, it just frustrates the hell out of me because it's 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 always all about just you know it's it's fine for me to enjoy these things, not for you. No. And, and, and and it's just destructive. It's yep. just destructive toward a, a minority that has already had a hard time. I get I get so fucking mad. All right. yeah, I, I got to move on from this.
1: <laughs> Moving on.
0: Yeah. What How about some publishing stuff?
1: Publishing news. What do you got?
0: Oh, I got a fuck
1: ton of stuff. I have a lot too, but yeah. I'll let you go first.
0: Oh, thank you. I like that. Okay, um, the cartography door coming out by Sean Edward. That's uh, from Slate House Publishing, just around the corner, April 2023. Batten down the hatches is, is about a woman who can escape into dreams, who is haunted by a shadow hungry for her strange power. Kind of some dark fantasy and horror. Um, you know, if you like weird dark stuff. Uh, check, it, check it out. CartographyDoor, SlayHouse.com. You can put in your pre-orders right now. Uh, Curtis Harrell's Hunger is going to be available soon via Acast Premium uh, or via Patreon with our Slayhouse Publishing. So if you are interested in listening to more of these kind of audio narrations, these kind of short story audio books, I really encourage you, um, sign up for ACast Premium, or uh, maybe support us on our Patreon um, for Slayhouse Publishing. You can find more information on our website. Some other books coming out uh, in the next couple of weeks, or that are just now coming out: uh, "Lone Women." By Victor Laval, that uh, comes from One World, March twenty first, so just Tuesday. It's a horror western about a woman with a dark past. Victor Laval is one of those writers that uh, you just you show up for every book, hmm. and uh, that one looks great. Shoemaker's Magician by Sina Palio, that's out from Agora Books, March twenty first. Uh, it's the sequel to her acclaimed novel children of chicago um jeremy and i read that book uh when we interviewed cena Palio mm-hmm. um it's you know she's a, a fabulous writer and if you're into chicago horror crime stories uh turn turn up for this you know she's she's got a really strong thematic grasp i think on what makes for good horror um, a House with Good Bones by T. Kingfisher comes out from Nightfire, March 28th. It's southern gothic about a family with some hidden secrets and dark vibes. It uh, was blurbed by our friend Rachel Harrison mm-hmm. and also Katie Robert.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah. Kind of cool. Uh, Abnormal Statistics by Max Booth third. This is from Apocalypse Party. comes out today. Um, Debut short story collection by Max Booth III. Uh, it's got 10 reprints and three original stories. Max Booth is one of those writers who just, like, he's uh, indie horror to a T. Uh, there's no T's in indie horror, but you get what I mean. Um, just a, a really good short fiction writer. Uh, and this debut collection, I think, is going to be awesome. Um, I've already... Had it sold to me pretty hard by Laurel Hightower, and I trust her voice in everything. So, um, In Nightfall by Suzanne Young comes out from Delacorte, uh, March 28th. It is described as Lost Boys meets Buffy about some vampire women in an Oregon town. Uh, I'm into that. It's YA. I showed you the cover. The cover is absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, can't wait to. We're, we're going to read it and talk about it on the show. I know it. Okay. Um, and then we have uh, Lingoon, I think that's how you say it, by Ai Jiang um, from Dark Matter Press, April 4th. This is a novella about a town full of spirits conjured by a population who cannot let go. Um, Ai is an up and comer in spec fiction. And uh, this novella, I think, is going to be one to watch out for, for sure. Uh, then we have The Scourge Between Stars by Ness Brown. That comes out from Nightfire April 4th. Some claustrophobic sci fi horror novella there. Um, this one I am especially pumped about. I've been looking forward to this book since like last year. Like I feel like the moment the book was announced, I was I was like I'm gonna be there for mm-hmm. this. Um, two more on my list: uh, Dark Matter presents monstrous futures, edited by Alex Woodrow, is a collection of short uh, sci-fi fiction from Dark Matter, coming out April 18th. They had the Stoker. Award-nominated anthology, um, Human Monsters, uh, Late Last Year, uh, a book that has some phenomenal short fiction in it. And I think that Dark Matter, as a press, really knows their shit. So uh, Alex Woodrow especially. I think this is going to be a really, really good collection of short science fiction stories. And then lastly, The Haunting of Alejandra by V. Castro. That comes out from Del Rey, April 18th. It is about a mother who is haunted by a vicious folk demon styled after La Llorona. And I'll talk about my thoughts on the book a little bit because I read it. I was uh, an advanced reviewer for it. And I think it's quite good. Mm-hmm. All right. That's my news. It's That's the publishing stuff coming. It's a lot. It is a lot. It is definitely a lot.
1: Is yours a lot like mine's a lot because it's been a minute since we've recorded? Or yes. Or is there's just a lot coming? That's
0: exact. Well, I, it's both. I mean, we got a bumper <laughs> crop coming this year, for, like fun, exciting stuff. But yes, uh, it's been a minute since we've been in the studio together. I
1: think that's why my list is pretty long, too. Yeah. I, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten.
0: Go. Let's go.
1: Okay um the Fay princes by nikki st crow
0: oh yes. yes yes
1: yes book four of her she sent
0: you that absolutely gorgeous copy of yes she did uh, it, uh what was the that book um help me out
1: um that was um it was like a peter pan one yes the peter pan retelling um please forgive me for having a brain fart
0: i, I really put you on the spot didn't
1: i you did give me two seconds she said never king
0: this... The Never King, that's right. I reached out yes. to Nikki St. Crow um, just to get uh, some books, some book plates. And uh, she was gracious not only to send a book plate, but she was like, let me also send this very special edition of, of The Never King. Uh, and it's like gilded. It's gorgeous. It's oh, one, of the, it's it's one gorgeous. of the most beautiful books I've ever seen. And she signed it for Caitlin. Um,
1: it's my most prized possession.
0: I will never get over just how amazing – uh, she was about it.
1: She all of the other books she has that cover too. Oh my like, gosh,
0: it's it's stunning. Yeah, it's stunning.
1: Yeah, I wish I could get all the others too, but I'm sure yeah. they're really expensive.
0: Very cool. All right,
1: but anyway, it's out now, and I have ordered it, and it's coming in the mail tomorrow.
0: Oh, hey, 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 happy but, birthday to you!
1: My birthday's not till July. No, I
0: did. That's the joke. It's my birthday tomorrow. Give
1: so i'm really excited about that um you know our book legends and lattes that we need to read
0: yes travis baldry
1: uh bookshops and bone dust
0: is coming out in november yes yes this is like a a little prequel i think to to the new one or to to, the legends and lattes
1: this is a prequel i believe
0: i believe it's a standalone prequel yes
1: Oh, well I didn't really dig into it like I just saw it and I'm like oh yeah. this is podcast worthy yes um crossed by Emily McIntyre okay you know her um series that I still have on my TBR the Disney retellings yes uh this one comes out August 1st it's Hunchback of Notre Dame
0: oh interesting choice alright
1: it's I know it has Esmeralda in it or a character that's supposed to be uh-huh, like Esmeralda right yeah and then I think what about Quasimodo. I don't think it has Quasimodo. I think it's more like the um, what's the other the the priest or.
0: I I mean I've never seen I, this is this that movie came out during my parents' boycott of Disney, <laughs> so I've never actually seen it. So I know my that... my entire understanding of it is based on the Victor Hugo novel.
1: Okay, well, I think, if I remember correctly, because I, that was, like, one of my least favorite Disney movies, so I've seen uh-huh. it maybe twice. Right. I think there was, there was Quasimodo, and uh-huh. he was kept in the bell tower by, like,
0: right. the, the priest or whoever well, it yeah, is. Well, yeah, because he's ugly.
1: And But yeah. anyway, I think the story is, like, the priest and Esmeralda. Oh. So.
0: But no Quasimodo.
1: He might be in there yeah, as something I'm else. But there's no love interest with I Quasimodo. Like,
0: well, I mean, in the book, he kills himself over Esmeralda.
1: Well, I don't think that would make a very good smoke. Oak. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that is August 1st. Um, oh my gosh, tomorrow, your birthday. Happy early mm. birthday to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next Sarah Kate book of the Salacious Players. Oh,
0: wow. Comes out tomorrow. <laughs> Is that right?
1: It's called Highest Bitter.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, I'm glad I, she's still making these.
1: Oh, yes. The next one, I should have added, damn it. The last one comes <laughs> out in August.
0: Oh, really? I, That's yeah. really close.
1: Yeah. I can't Two
0: I, in one year.
1: Yeah. I'll have wow. the name and the actual date for our next one.
0: Okay. All right.
1: But yeah, tomorrow it comes out. I'm super that's excited. amazing.
0: Well, I won't see you tomorrow then is what you're telling me.
1: Yeah, probably not.
0: We're, we're going to go to a family dinner and you're just going your, to on, be on your Kindle yeah. just being like, Ooh, nobody can tell what I'm reading. Nobody
1: can tell I'm reading a, a Daddy Kink. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that, that's what this one is. It's about a very the guy's in uh, his like mid fifties and he's a super oh, billionaire and yeah. yeah it's a daddy. Is sneak.
0: he he's a silver fox kind of character? He's a silver fox. Okay, all right.
1: Yeah. Um, do you remember the Hades and Persephone's? Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Books that I made Jess read that she absolutely hated.
0: Uh yes, I do. That I I've remember. been waiting. That on. That you've you've loved them.
1: I loved them. Well, the next book finally comes out in September.
0: Okay. September
1: twenty sixth. A touch of okay. chaos. By okay. Scarlett Saint Clair.
0: Okay, all right.
1: It's finally here. All right, okay. Super excited. Um, another series that is on my TBR cart that I just need to frickin' read. Uh huh. Um, it's called the uh the next book that is out now. It came out on the twenty first, so two days ago. And Barnes and Noble does have it. Oh. Um, it's called Addicted for Now.
0: So what I'm hearing is we're gonna have to go to the bookstore right after. Probably,
1: done probably going right after. This. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, new book is called Addicted for Now. It is out. Okay. Um, Cruel Seduction by Katie Robert.
0: Oh, yes, Katie Robert. That's
1: her Olympus, her Dark Olympus or yes. whatever uh-huh. series. It's out August 8th.
0: Oh, all right. That's right around the corner.
1: Um, Another series that I have. I feel like y'all are going to get tired of hearing me say another series that I have that I need to read. Oh,
0: no, you, I mean.
1: Um, It's on my cart. It's the Twisted Games series by, I think... It's pronounced Anna Huang.
0: Okay. I've heard of it.
1: Um, yeah. But anyway, she has a book called King of Wrath. But the special edition, the Barnes & Noble special edition is coming April 25th.
0: Oh, that's that's just a month away.
1: Yeah. I'm super excited to get that. Um, you know the special cover that I bought of uh, Praise by Sarah Kate? Yes. It wasn't the one with the guy on the cover. Right. It was the whatever. Yeah. Well, I guess they're they're starting to phase out the the covers with the men. Uh-huh. Which I'm really sad. And, and for like a new... They're doing some new, new covers. covers. Well, yeah. the new covers of the second book uh-huh. called Eyes on Me is coming out in June on the okay. 13th. And I'm really sad because I want... I'm, now that I've read the series, I want to be able to buy all of them at once, but I think it's going to be a while.
0: Yeah. You know, sometimes it's it's a game.
1: And I'm not know? about to buy the ones that are that have them in and only have a few of them. Right. Because the first two now <laughs> they phased out. Yeah. So whatever. Okay. And last but not least, um Barnes and Noble on September twenty sixth is releasing exclusive paperbacks of uh, Sarah J. Moss's Crescent City.
0: Oh, and I
1: have to show you. This is going to be one of those instances where the audience can't see. But maybe
0: we should just start doing a video show.
1: <laughs> we should start doing a video show. Tell me.
0: Okay, those are really
1: cool. Tell me those are not gorgeous.
0: Those are really cool. You can find those on uh, BarnesandNoble.com. Yeah. Or SarahDayMoss.com. Or
1: maybe I should start posting this on our Instagram. Yes, do that. Post That's it on our Instagram.
0: Do. That's what the Instagram is for. Yep. I don't know what Instagram does.
1: Yeah, but those, yeah. I will be owning those.
0: Oh, yeah, of course.
1: So, yeah. That is my post. That's a
0: lot news. of stuff. You've got you've got stuff from all over the year. Yeah. Okay. Got a lot of stuff
1: coming up this a year. A lot of
0: stuff, a lot of announcements. Very, very cool. So, what you been reading?
1: What have I been reading? Yeah. going you let me go first? Um, I have been reading, well, the two of us have been reading. We just finished Kiki's delivery service. Yes. That was so fun. It
0: was so sweet. And so, then we
1: watched the movie. That was.
0: It was also very adorable. It I had was. never seen the movie before, um, but we we're watching it with you, and it was so sweet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is a. This is kind of weird. Um, I just started reading like child, like cozy children's fantasy uh, to to Caitlin uh, when we're going to sleep, and um, we read through all of Kiki's Delivery Service. We're reading through. How's *Moving Castle* right now?
1: And shame on you. We haven't read in two nights. No,
0: you're right. We haven't read. It's been it's been kind of crazy the last couple of nights, um, but yeah, we read Kiki's Delivery Service. We did. It's such a sweet book. It was. Um, It's it's really it really fits the vibe of just you know just cozy coming of age kind of uh, doing stuff as a witch. Yeah, adorable book I, for me. It was five stars.
1: Yep, it was. Um. I, last weekend, was it, that I flew through Lore Olympus Volumes 2 and 3? Oh, yeah.
0: You you just soared through those.
1: I had read Volume 1 last year, and then uh, 2 and 3 came out. And I'm looking forward, I think Volume 4 comes out in June. Okay. I think is when it comes out. I should Rad- have added that to Radical. my list. <laughs> but, yeah, I read Volumes 2 and 3. Um, I read... <laughs> This is where I'm hoping your parents really don't listen to our podcast. They never do. Well, I'm hoping they won't. (laughs) (laughs) Because of books like this. Um, I uh, recently have gotten on a smut male, male.
0: I mean, you do you. Go for it. Embrace that.
1: Uh, It started with um, this book called Want Me.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, by mm-hmm. Nev
1: Wilder, it's called uh, extracurricular is this, activities. Is
0: this the one with the shower scene? Yes, you to- <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is the one with the shower scene.
0: They don't, I'm, we're not going to explain the shower. We're not going to
1: explain it on here, uh, but...
0: except that it's very. I said it was highly impractical.
1: Yes, uh, so I read that, <laughs> and then I um, have been reading "Try Me," which is ex- extracurricular number mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I have also started reading The Butcher, which is, we're hoping to talk about that when we yes, finish that's
0: it. That's right. That's, uh, forgive me, who wrote that Laura
1: one? Laura Cat Young.
0: Laura Cat Young.
1: And that was uh, said to be good by our dear friend Rachel. Mm hmm. So, um, so far, so good. I think I'm two chapters in. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's where I am. The Butcher and Try Me are my two current reads.
0: Very cool. All right. You, I, some good stuff in that list, yeah. I think. My list is a bit longer um, because it's a, it's kind of a collection of a whole bunch of, you know, some shorter fiction, some longer form stuff. Uh, and it's been a minute. So, uh, finished Red London by Amakatsu. That just came out March 14th from uh, G.P. Putnam's Sons. Uh, look, this is the best spy novel I think I've ever read. Um, absolutely one of my favorites. I just adore it. Um, I I don't know that there's much more I want to say because I don't want to spoil it, um, except to say I think that she keeps a lot of the the suspense pretty taut through the whole uh, of the book. Um, There's some some real exciting happenings uh, at the end of the book that I didn't quite see coming um, that I thought was really awesome. I love how intelligent her characters are in this book because um, it really feels like, you know, they're real spies. Like they they piece together what's happening um, as the book goes along. It's not spoon fed to them. You know, it's like they really make decisions about who knows what and they take some gambles and they learn some things. And uh, I just think she knows how to do this incredibly well. This is her second spy thriller um, and let me tell you, I'm, I'm looking forward to the third. I cannot wait to get my hands on a third book. Um, so yeah, five-star five fiction for me. Absolutely loved it. She develops on the same themes that she was working for uh, or working through in the first book, uh, but compounds them with her characters. I think it's a slam-dunk book. Uh, then I finally finished Stein Tinglers by R.L. Stein. This came out August 2022 by Felwell and Friends. It's just a collection of 10 short stories uh, in the style of like EC comics, so kind of some ironic finishes. Um, not every story in the book really landed for me. I'd still think that this is great for middle grade readers. If you're a middle grader uh, or you have or know a middle grader, and uh, you're trying to get them into, you know some horror or something like that. This is a great, safe way to introduce them to this genre with some stories that I think are genuinely quite excellent. And one of the things I love the most about this selection is that every story is introduced with just a little blurb from R.L. Stein, where he talks about the process he went through to kind of come up with the, the central conceit for the story. And I think what this does is model for kids that every experience you have can generate a story with just a little bit of imagination and some hard work. And I think that that's really marvelous to see him break down his process and show you that everyday experiences can still contain the little bit of strange that makes for a good story. And, uh, I, man... Just what a service, I think, to children's literature in general that you can showcase for them the kind of imagination, the kind of everyday imagination that you can employ to become a very successful writer. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Um, So that was a lot of fun. Uh, The Spite House by Johnny Compton that came out just in February from Nightfire. It's about a haunted house in Texas um, and uh, a, a guy, a, a black guy with his two kids, um, and he goes, he's in need of some money, and he goes to this house to try to live in it for a bit of time. Um, it it was an okay book for me. I'm not going to lie. Um, I don't think that it entirely landed with me 100%. This is a debut novel. I felt like there were definitely some debut novel, you know, kind of clunkiness in some of the story, I feel like some of the elements that he's trying to play with don't quite pay off for me. Um, And I I was left a little uh, just unsatisfied um, by the fact that there were too many narrative threads that I felt were still left dangling at the end of the book. That being said, I think that his prose is really good. And I really look forward to what he's got on the horizon, you know, in terms of his next book. Um, I think that he's already a pretty accomplished storyteller. And I I think that, you know, whatever his next book is going to be is is definitely a book I'm going to pick up. So while this one didn't entirely work for me 100 percent, I mean, that's books, right? Like you're not always going to connect to every single thing you read. Um, And that's that's okay. Um, Then I read A Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky Chambers. Um, This was released in July 2021 by Torb.com. It's a novella about a tea monk that meets a robot in the woods. Hmm. Anything else I think is just giving too much away about this book, except to say that it was deeply philosophical. It hit me where I lived. This is in my top 10 books of all time.
1: Oh, this is the one that made you cry the other day.
0: I was crying like a child through the whole thing. There were parts when I was like, ha, 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 this is cute and funny. And then I just fucking break down crying because it like it just it gets it, 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 it like understands every little bit of my existential dread about the world and the universe and my place in it. And I just utterly bald um, you know just sometimes I think a book finds you where you are yep. and like speaks directly to you in that moment of your life and that was this book for me so uh, I mean if I could go higher than five out of five stars I would six out of five stars I mean this book really did cement itself immediately after reading uh, in my top ten books of all time So phenomenal. Um, then I read The Haunting of Alejandra by V. Castro. Um that comes out, like I said, April 18th, um, by Del Rey. Um, I I think this is really a great showcase. If you've never read Castro before, this is an awesome showcase for why you should be reading her. Um, because it's a it's a story about a mother who's having hard time, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's kind of plagued by this uh, ghost, this like folk demon of La Llorona. And uh, Castro digs into the problems of patriarchy, the problems of motherhood and femininity, the problems of um, just trying to be a person and and live in a, a very misogynistic, very uh, patriarchal oriented world and society and the stresses that this puts on um women and um i i just utterly loved it i I feel like she talks a lot about she talks about race she talks about class she talks about colonialism she talks about patriarchy um all of these different stressors i think um on on women and on mothers um and on millennials you know millennial mothers at this moment Um, And I I think she just has a really strong voice. Like it's so clear to me what Castro is doing and what she's saying with this literature. Um, And I think that this is uh, just the perfect introduction to why she's such an important um, writer in in today's, you know, modern horror market. Um, I really enjoyed the book. Uh, We mentioned Kiki's Delivery Service. Um, I also read The Ocean at the End of the Lane by Neil Gaiman. Um, I'm going to save my comments on that book because that's a future episode. Mm -hmm. Just down the road, we're going to talk about that together. I also read Corporate Body by R.A. Busby. Uh, That came out March 14th this year from Cemetery Gates Press. Um, I'm going to have R.A. Busby on the show um, just Sunday. Uh, so if you are interested in hearing that conversation, stay tuned. It'll be here in just a couple of weeks. Um, really looking forward to talking to her because this novella kind of blew me away. Um, it was, to be honest, it was not one that was really on my radar. And then um, Busby was super kind and put it on my radar um, in just about the best way someone can do that. And um, it's great. Oh, my gosh it's it's really really interesting and gross and like it's mm-hmm. super icky. <laughs> <From> what
1: you <laughs> told me it sounds absolutely gross.
0: Yeah, and I but I really really liked it. And then lastly, uh, because I read so many things, I read another novella. Um, this one was called A Song for Quiet by Cassandra Kaw. came out in 2017 from Com. It is about a blues player who has like some kind of Lovecraftian monster seed in his head that feeds him music. It has some really slick prose and a really great take on racial conflict in, um, you know, kind of a, a a a pre or rather, should I just say like a, a, a segregated America. Um, and he's a, you know, he's a blues player, faces a lot of, uh, human monsters and prejudices, um, even as he's just, you know, trying to hack it as a musician. Really interesting book. I enjoyed it quite a lot.
1: I just now, as you were speaking, remembered that book. I couldn't remember the title of that I'm reading. Yes, tell me. Midnight in Everwood.
0: Midnight in Everwood. Yeah. Okay. The
1: Nutcracker retelling.
0: Oh yeah, that's right
1: hate it when that happens when I think of something and I just want to scream it right in the middle of you talking. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You know you always can.
0: I talk for so much. No. Wow, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Maybe we should get in the episode and like like talk about books more often. We should. Let's talk about suspiria
1: Yeah. Let's get down to it. This is my absolute favorite horror movie.
0: This is your favorite horror movie and I know it's your horror your favorite horror movie because you've watched it like 11 times.
1: No, not literally 11. I think I've watched it four times now.
0: Four times?
1: Four or five times. I
0: I hardly ever watch a movie more than once. You're a weirdo. I think I've seen this movie exactly... Twice now? Two and a half times.
1: When did you watch it a half time?
0: Well, you had it on one of your four times that you were watching it, and I came in like halfway through the movie and sat and watched the rest of it with you. (laughs) This is a surprising pick from you because I know that you don't always get into horror. Um, and this was one of those that I introduced you to because I was like, hey, you want to watch a horror movie with Dakota Johnson in it with me? And you were like, yeah, let's go. And I think
1: Dakota was what pulled me in.
0: Yes. And then for whatever reason, it's like we turned off the movie and you were like, I'm going to watch it again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> And just to be clear this is we are talking about the 2018 remake yes. of this movie. There was a 1977 Dario Argento flick called Suspiria. This is that movie remade, kind of re-envisioned for a modern audience. Um and it's it's quite a bit different from the original giallo flick that came out in the uh 1970s. I said that right, right? Giallo. Do you know anything about this? No. Yeah, it's Giallo. Uh, that was a subgenre that came in kind of in the '70s. Dario Argento is best known for it. Um, slasher, thriller, psychological horror, sexploitation, supernatural flicks. That's kind of his style of horror. Um, and this, but this one is the 2018 version with. Uh, how do you say his name? Luca.
1: Luca Guadagnino.
0: Guadagnino, yeah. Screenplay by uh, David Gadgjanic, Gadgjanic, I think. Stars uh, Dakota Johnson as Susie Banyan, Tilda Swinton as uh, three roles. She plays Doctor Tilda, Doctor Clemper, Helena Marcos, Madame Blanc. It's also got Mia Goth as Sarah Sims, and it has uh, cameos from Jessica Harper, who was the original uh, Susie character, the original dancer character in the 70s film. Which one was? She plays Anka. Anka? Anka Meyer.
1: Which one was Anka?
0: Uh, Dr. Klemperer's wife. Oh! Yeah. So she was the original star of the ah. 1977 movie, right? Yeah, uh, she has a cameo, and then uh, Chloe Grace Moretz is in this as uh, Patricia. Yeah. Uh, for all of like five seconds. Yeah. Summarize this movie for us if you can. If you can, <laughs> it's like a three-hour movie.
1: Yeah, it's like two hours and forty-five minutes.
0: Our commentary will be as long as the movie at this point.
1: Oh, I hope not. Um, so Susie, um, moves to Berlin and wants to join Helena Marcos dancing company.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And she is surprised that she gets picked to dance the lead in one of their big productions. Mm -hmm. And I guess the girl who was originally going to do the lead you know, she's really, she's really surprised and she goes to leave the day of uh, Susie's audition. And uh, I think this is the most gruesome scene to me of the entire movie. It's
0: probably the most fucked up scene I've ever seen. Um, we're going to spoil the hell yeah, out of this just movie. just
1: FYI, we're going to spoil. Um, as she is dancing... Uh, one of the lead parts is, uh Susie, Dakota's character, she's dancing one of the lead parts uh, for Tilda's character, uh, one of the main teachers. The other girl who, you know, has been there forever, um, she's trying to leave. And she is pulled, I guess, in a trance into this room of mirrors that they use for like auditions and other yeah, things. It's
0: like weird spell room.
1: Uh she's pulled in there and unknowingly is somehow like attached to Susie. Yeah. I don't know any other way to say so, it. I mean, it's Susie like, dances. As Susie dances, she's controlling.
0: And, like, 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 ru- like wrecks this woman's yes, body. Yes,
1: like, everything that Susie is doing.
0: Like, if you were going to break every bone in her body so you could fit her into a trunk, that's basically yes. what happens to this poor woman.
1: It's like... She
0: pees herself.
1: Yeah, she pees herself.
0: <laughs> it's, gr- it's so gruesome. I'm not... It's, it's one of the most excruciatingly difficult I sequences mean, in film. The,
1: it is literally the walls are covered in glass mirrors and she is flung against <sighs> them with every move that Susie makes.
0: It's, ho- it's horrible.
1: And she's like flung here, there, and everywhere and just twisted and con- contorted and yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it makes me sick thinking about it.
0: It's, it's pretty fucked up.
1: And that was kind of the first clue into, okay, these people are not human. <laughs>
0: Right, yeah. The, 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 the elderly ladies of the Helena Marcos Dancing Company are a coven of witches.
1: Yes. You realize, okay, they might be witches. And they're
0: looking for a sacrifice because <laughs> Helena Marcos claims herself to be one of the three mother witches yes. of uh, this mythology. There's uh, Mother Lacrimosa, there's uh, Mother uh, Tenettenbaum, no, is that what's her name? Mother the only something.
1: One, well the only one I remember is Mother Suspiriorum. Suspiriorum.
0: Yeah, that's uh that's the so mother mother whispers, mother darkness, uh, mother mother tears, I think.
1: It's amazing to me that you even remembered any of that.
0: I, some shit just sticks in my brain. <laughs> uh yeah. So anyway, she she claims to be one of these elder uh, elder mother uh, witches and uh, needs a human sacrifice in order to come back into her power or to, to to go through a rejuvenating cycle.
1: And they've been using like these lead dancers. They've been using
0: the lead dancers.
1: They've been prepping mm-hmm. them and, you know, getting them ready. And they've, I think, potentially. Uh, Patricia.
0: Patricia. She, she was left
1: because she kind of lead. came onto it and realized, yeah, she oh she shit, oh, I'm going to be a sacrifice. Yeah. And she went to that therapist or the doctor. Right. And was trying to Dr. get him Clint to understand, Perrier. hey, these are witches. You need to help me. Yeah. And then Susie came in and they were like, oh, hey, right. she might be our new sacrifice. Right. And, uh,
0: so they prepare her as though she's going to become the sacrifice, and then in the night of the sacrifice, where they take her down into the lair with Helena Marcos and all the rest of the coven, and all the all of the other dancers are naked, doing their crazy uh, satanic uh, witchcraft dance. Uh, it's revealed that uh, Susie Dakota Johnson's character
1: is actually mother is the
0: reincarnated. Uh, Mother Superiorum. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I was like, What?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, but we have to backtrack and they at the beginning of the movie they took a vote um to to who would be the leader of the coven, either right. um
0: Helena Marcos.
1: Helena Marcos or Madame um, Blanc. Madame Blanc, who is played by Tilda.
0: Both of them are played by Tilda Swinton.
1: Oh, both are played by Tilda? H-
0: Helena Marcos and Madame Blanc are, are both of them played by Tilda Swinton.
1: I didn't know that Marcos was And played.
0: Dr. Klemperer. Well, I knew Dr. was. Right, the dude, right, the guy, he's also played by Tilda Swinton. She plays three roles.
1: Oh, okay. So, well, they took the vote, and, of course, Marcos was the one that they all voted to, to remain the leader of the coven. Right. So that comes back to haunt and bite all of them in the ass, literally. <laughs> At the end of the movie, um, right. when Susie, you know, becomes the reincarnated mother, yeah. um, she—I literally think the spirit that comes is death. Would you say, or is it one of her children, the black spirit that—that that oh, something, something comes crawling, something out, comes
0: crawling out of the dance studio and blows and, them all up. Uh,
1: everybody that voted for um, Marcos uh, yeah. is blown to Smithereens
0: like just chunks of gore. Just
1: chunks of gore everywhere. And what I sort of absolutely fine. love about this scene is that it's the cinematography is amazing. It's so everything is just covered in blood. It's And it's a very gruesome scene. <laughs> it's so gory. But I have to, I hope this comes out right. I hope it sounds right. I want to play the song or a piece of it. Um
0: The Tom York.
1: The Tom York song. So you can just understand the scene, how like the, I hope I'm using the word right, the juxtaposition between the scene, what you're hearing and what you're seeing. Why I just absolutely love this scene and Dakota Johnson's character. Like, it's just, it's amazing. It gives me chills every time.
0: I don't think it's going to come through the... You the, don't think it'll come through? I don't think it will, but uh, we can we can post a link, uh, like a YouTube link, to uh, uh, Twitter. Or, you
1: don't think it'll come through holding it up to the mic?
0: I don't think so. I mean, it, it, it's going to come through very softly.
1: Oh. Well, if you look up the song Unmade by Tom York from the yeah. Suspiria soundtrack, it's a very lyrical, starts-off piano... Very quiet. Mm-hmm. But it's just, to hear that against a, a scene of, like, just a bloodbath.
0: It's wild.
1: And Dakota Johnson's character is just standing there all calm, like, like I'm watching half of my children be murdered.
0: Well, she's got, like, some kind of weird gore vagina in her neck.
1: I literally think she's ripping her chest open so you can see her bleeding heart.
0: Oh, you know, Maybe. It looks like a vagina. It's not a vagina. I'm just saying <laughs> it looks like a big old bloody vagina. I just, I'm throwing that out. I don't think I'm alone in saying that.
1: But then, um, to kind of show how like forgiving and loving she can be, like Patricia's character and uh-huh. yeah. some of the other, uh, the other girls, the Mia other girls, uh, you know, that they had kept captive and they've been suffering. They're they're Mm. down there during the sacrifice, and she like walks up to them, and she says, "You know, my children, what do you choose? Life or death? You know, what would you ask of me?" And you know, they all want death, obviously, because they're practically dead anyway. But it just, she's just like, I'm. I can be this awful person that will kill my children, but I can also, you know, I can also bring you peace if you if you choose it.
0: Yeah. It, it, it's an insane movie
1: but I think and I also was thinking about that very last scene where everything is said and done they let uh, uh-huh. the doctor go home yeah Klimper. and then she goes to visit him yes you know he's laying in bed yeah and the one scene that has sat with me since we watched that movie is she says to him we all need guilt and we all need shame but we don't need yours yeah I'm gonna wipe your memory of Patricia, of uh-huh. Susie, of Anka, of Anka, of everybody.
0: Yeah, Anka, his wife, and I was who who was a uh, his wife who was had Aryan papers because this takes place in Germany, in divided Germany, uh, prior to the the Berlin Wall falling, uh, post post World War II Germany, um, and Anka was uh, stopped at the border and taken to. Um, concentration camp where she died um
1: oh and she even was kind of i mean
0: he had her he had her her aryan papers to that that would have saved her from the inspection team
1: yeah but she was even kind enough to tell him the last moments of his wife's life
0: tell him what happens to his wife Yeah,
1: because he never knew
0: he's been looking for her for like 30 years or whatever Yeah.
1: yeah but i just thought like you know what she said, you know, we all need guilt and shame, but -hmm. but we don't need yours. But we don't need yours. I
0: I have been haunted by that idea too, and I'm trying to figure out what is the real point of this movie? Like, what is the the statement that this movie has made? Because a lot of critics are divided on this. Some of them are like, this movie is brilliant, and it's awesome, and others are like, it meanders and does not cohere, and what the fuck was that? (laughs) And... um, i I feel like there's a conversation about in a way, it's about feminism. In a way, it's about motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it's specifically talking about post-World War II feminism and post-World War II um, just just like political division and power and And have some conversations about power and the corruption of power, because the whole story of Susie and her being the the reborn Mother Suspiriorum um is is put against this backdrop of these this covet of witches who are vying for power. They're in the midst of a power struggle between mm-hmm. Helena Marcos and Madame Blanc. And Marcos is saying that she is, you know, descendant of this mother witch or whatever. But she's clearly abusive,
2: mm-hmm.
0: a clearly not a good person. And she has amassed power and abuses that power in ways that I think are pretty devastating, like pretty gross, right? Mm-hmm. One of the ways uh, she does that, of course, is with this Dr. Klimperer. He starts to kind of find out that there's a covenant of witches. And so she drags him along and then uh, kind of accuses him of being the reason why Anka died because he had her papers and didn't hand over her papers. I don't know that that's really the entire story. He does have her papers, we see at the end of the movie. um, But for whatever reason, he was not able to provide those to her before she left to try to escape World War II or escape the Nazis, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's devastated by her loss they make some some explanations like you know you you rationalize for women instead of paying attention to them um like with Patrizia when she comes in and she says i think they're all witches and he's like i think it's a symbolic you know imagination of things i think you've fallen into this weird cult religion i don't believe that they're actually witches but i also believe that you know, for some people, they believe themselves to be witches, and that is enough of a reality for them to make them witches, right? Yeah. Like sometimes you can't d- distinguish between the two. Um, and, and so they they kind of like, I don't know, they lord over him his transgressions yeah. um, against womankind and then strip him naked. And, he, you know, he's going to witness the reascendance of Helena Marcos before he dies. Of course, that goes all the shit. Um, but it's clear that Madocos is a monster, mm-hmm. like literally a. Mo- she's got like extra fucking hands growing out of her hands and stuff. Um, just an absolute grotesque monster who has been using this power and abusing it. You know, claiming that she's all about like empowerment of women, even as she actively predates upon women in order to steal their power and make it her own. Yeah. and I think that that is, in a way, a reflection on post-war Germany, post-Nazi Germany. Right? Um, a lot of people who claim that they're doing the right thing, uh, but really they're just using power and abusing power. And um, so it takes this this real Mother Superiorum to come in and and kind of clean out. Uh, clean house, yeah, <laughs> clean house. You know, kind of clean out, root out all of that corruption, and and showcase. You know, like um, if we really do want these things, right? There's there's a way to go about them. There's a way to actually be fair to fight for these equalities, to um, represent women, uh, and that ain't it, yeah. right? Um, so I do I do love that line. You know, we need we need guilt and we need shame. We just don't need yours. That's uh, a really powerful idea. Yeah. Um, especially with a character as weird as Dr. Klemperer is uh, because he's played by Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Um, so there's I think there's some interesting sexual politics uh, at play in this movie. I think there's, you know, I don't know. I, it's, it's a weird movie. Help me out. What I mean, what did you kind of get out of it? Why, why is this your favorite movie ever? horror movie i should say
1: i mean i think i took everything that you did um obviously (laughs) i don't when i watch movies for like that i'm watching more for entertainment than i am for the philosophical but i'm trying the longer (laughs) we've been together i'm trying to see the philosophical (laughs) um just so that we can have these conversations um, you
0: know I love that about you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That I try. That, that you try, yeah. yeah. That,
0: that you put yourself in a position to, 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 to have the conversation.
1: I don't know. I, I wish that I could, like, just pinpoint what it is. Um, I was actually thinking about this the other day in preparation. Like, what is it that draws me to this? I think, number one, it's the dance. You know the dance. Oh, the aspect.
0: dance is absolutely great.
1: Uh, you know, with my background with dance. Yeah. Um. You know, from kindergarten to ninth grade. You know, and then yeah. dance team in high school. It that was a draw for me. Dance movies in general. Yes.
0: Um. You do. You do respond to a dance movie.
1: Um. And it was a very different kind of dance movie. You know.
0: Yes. Contemporary art.
1: Yeah. Folk. Yeah, which
0: is yeah. what it was. Yeah, yeah. Volk was the Volk. name of that was the name yeah. of the which is folk, but yeah. I mean, you know, same thing. Um, that's the name of the dance that they do. Yeah, at the end with the weird costumes.
1: Yeah, it was a very, very sensual.
0: Totally sensual movie.
1: Yeah, uh, we both really liked the the costume. I love the, the
0: costuming for the dance. Yeah. Absolutely love it. That whole dance sequence when they are dancing Volk mm-hmm. uh, to the, the rest of the, you know, to the congregate, um, the audience. Uh, love that scene. Mm-hmm. Like, like Love that whole sequence, uh, with, especially with Mia Goth and the way they do her makeup. Um, oh, God, just what a visually striking movie.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, the dance, I think, was what pulled me in. The fact that it was Dakota— uh-huh. Um, I've always been a fan of hers.
0: Yeah. Um, Tilda Swinton sells this movie. And Tilda Swinton, me. obviously. Oh, my God. She's so good.
1: She she could wear a brown paper sack over her head, and I'd watch the movie. <laughs> I
0: mean, <laughs> I mean it, what, what shocked me was, you know, when I was looking at the roles, I had spotted her as Blanc. I knew she, that she was playing Dr. Klemperer.
1: I seriously, until you told me, did not know she was playing. Oh,
0: really? That she was the doctor?
1: No, I knew she was the doctor. I oh. didn't know she was um, Marcos. Marcos.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 and I only found that out because I was like, "That's a lot of makeup." And I was like, "How interesting would it be if, if she weren't just a dual role, she was a tr- a triple role?" Uh, and then I looked at the credits. Sure enough, she plays Helena Marcos.
1: I just wish there could be a way to to continue the story and like see the company run under her direction.
0: Oh, Madame Blanc. No, or, or not Blanc. under Blanc, like under.
1: Um, no, under Susie as the mother.
0: Oh, superiorum. Yeah. You think she runs the company after that?
1: I would think.
0: I don't know. Maybe. Maybe she's just out like floating around with her weird meat vagina.
1: You and your meat vagina.
0: I just. I am telling you, man. the the, the symbolism. The, the pagan symbolism is there.
1: I don't know. Maybe it is, and I'm just not acknowledging it.
0: Let's watch that sequence again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pull it up right now. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a visually striking movie. It's really interesting because I feel like... It's funny, when I show you a horror movie, if it's like anything pedestrian, you you turn your nose up at it. But then if it's like weird... Or if it ha- if it's like if it's shot in a in a way that it's like we're really putting primacy on the 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 visuals here, you know the the polish of the the cinematography, the direction, um, the soundtrack, that's the stuff that you really respond to, which I would never have guessed. But in a way, it's like this is kind of a it's a horror movie about art, right? Yeah. I mean, the dance as magic. Fascinating to me.
1: Yeah, I never thought of it that way, but it is. The the dance is the magic part of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the dance the dance is how they do their their kind of witchy rituals.
1: I guess I like it as a horror movie because it's it's different from what I consider horror, you know, from what everybody else considers horror like mm. monsters. Yeah. Ghosts, demons. Yeah. You know, it's not going to give me nightmares.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it gave me nightmares for sure. It didn't me. I I can't get over that fucking dance sequence where she she dances that girl into oblivion. Oh, f- ugh.
1: That didn't give me nightmares. It was just, just so disturbing excruciating.
0: And, oh my god. What a yeah. Crazy movie.
1: I think I have more nightmares from movies like Saw than I do. Oh, interesting. Like that, but. Yeah.
0: Okay. I don't know. I I come to this movie. I like the movie because I, I of the art direction and because it makes me think. Cuz it doesn't give me a straight up answer. You yeah. know, every everything is very symbolic. It's all, you know, through this weird juxtaposition of different ideas, you know, And you know, I think I notice something new and,
1: and different every time I watch it.
0: Yeah, oh, I bet. Yeah. Like I, I, I think
1: I caught myself going I don't remember that from last time.
0: Yeah, on the, on my second full rewatch, as I was watching through, I was like, "Oh, geez, I ca- I'm catching whole whole fucking plot cycles of this movie that I didn't notice the first time around." Because it feels like it's just in the background, but it's a, it's like, no, it's right there. they they're just telling you exactly what's going on. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. This weird grasp for power that is inappropriate. There are some dissenters. Who are eliminated by those in power. And then uh, and then it, it takes someone to come in and and really be like, all right, you know, I'm going to tell you right now. You're all fucking wrong. I'm going to blow you up with my weird shadow demon in the basement while everybody dances and swirls naked. It's a weird fucking movie, Caitlin.
1: Yeah. It's weird but powerful.
0: It is powerful. It, yeah. It's very powerful. Parting shots. What do you think? I
1: don't know. That's about all I can think of.
0: All right. Go watch this movie?
1: Yeah, definitely. Everybody should go watch this movie. <laughs> Listen <laughs> to the soundtrack. It is hauntingly good.
0: Uh, the, the soundtrack is excellent. Tom York really knocked it out of the park.
1: And once you've heard Tom York, you won't unhear it. Like, we watched a motherless...
0: Motherless Brooklyn.
1: Motherless Brooklyn, and he did the soundtrack for that. And yep. I could close my eyes, and I thought I was watching Suspiria again.
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: I was like, oh, that's Tom York.
0: Yeah. Yep. He's, he's done a lot of stuff. You should listen to Tom York's take on, a, on his Bond tune, uh, Spectre.
1: He did Spectre?
0: He, he, did, uh, he did a song for Spectre that was not chosen for Spectre. But it is it is a James Bond song for because, you know, like the James Bond themes are always like the best part of the, those movies. Um, the music like Duran Duran did one. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like the So the Bond themes are always amazing. And they had to, like Tom York made a Bond theme and they didn't use it. Um, but it's still great. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a slam dunk. Listen to it on the car right home.
1: Yeah, I'll have to listen to it. Yeah. Well, that was I mean, that's, today's. That's
0: an episode. That's a doozy of an episode. It's like a billion years long.
1: <laughs> well, I hope you guys have enjoyed this week's episode, and uh, be on the lookout for uh, Trevor's interview this weekend.
0: Yes, we've. I've actually got two interviews that I still haven't released yet. I just put the final edits together today for Casey Griffith. And uh, our conversation about Melinda West, Monster Gunslinger, that mm-hmm. will be out next week. I've got it releasing next week. And uh, and then after that, uh, R.A. Busby talking about corporate body. That is definitely one you're going to want to tune in for. And, uh, and who knows? We may have some other uh, authors, writers uh, a little bit down the road. So, yeah, all good things.
1: All right. Well, we will... Uh Be talking again soon.